We want to thank you for joining us for our series on the Holy Spirit, Enabling Power. We pray that you will allow God to speak to you in a new way. So sit back and be blessed. Dear Heavenly Father, come on, put your hand on your heart right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, God, right now that you would open up my heart to receive. Because my mind can so often get in the way. But in God, I open up my heart because it's not what I feel and it's not what I think, but it's by faith of a relationship with you. And God, I pray that you would speak into our hearts. I pray you would speak into our lives. And God, that you would receive all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So this month, we are talking about the Holy Spirit. If you came here tonight expecting a financial workshop, you're getting something better. You're getting the Holy Spirit and a financial workshop next month. So just come back for that. But we are so delighted and excited to be talking about this series for your life. The impact it can have. Because I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is a power source. Or as we've labeled it, the enabling power that you and I need to make it through each day. And we're not interested in just making it through each day. God wants us to make it through victoriously. Each day. You can say amen in the hands. He wants us to be victorious. And you and I need the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost interchangeably used in the scripture. Not wrong. Same thing. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. We need the infilling of his power in our lives each and every day. You know why it is so opposed? Because it is so vital. We're going to talk Sunday morning, God willing, about the vital ingredient of our life, the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about through Genesis, throughout the entirety of the Word of God, looking at the Holy Spirit's purpose and role, not only through the Scriptures, but how it applies to our life and how vital it is. So we're excited about that. But I truly believe it's a necessity for your Christian walk. I truly believe it's a necessity. It doesn't make you a Christian. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you saved. It helps and brings you to that place as we're going to discover again tonight. But it doesn't save you, but it keeps you saved. And we need that. I, I need to be kept saved. Anyone, if the pastor needs to be kept saved, then everyone else needs to be kept saved. I need the keeping power of the Holy Spirit to help me, to be with me, and to touch my life. So tonight we're going to talk about, on Sunday we talked about the who, who is the Holy Spirit. Tonight we're going to talk about the baptism. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit is what? He is the person of God for right now in your life. So he's a person, but God for right now in your life. Not to come and go, but to stay and to indwell your life. Look what it says in Acts 1. Verse 4 and 5, this is Jesus speaking. It said to them, he said, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. And here's what Jesus says. He says these words, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit Not many days from now. And then jump into verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power. Say with me, power. Come on, power. Come on, look at your name and say, I've got the power. Come on, the power of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be a witness unto me. So Jesus at the time of saying these things to his disciples, you've got to understand he's died on the cross. He's risen from the dead and he has now spent almost 40 days ministering to the disciples here on this earth. And he is now preparing to leave and the last thing he is instructing them to do is what? To be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say this again and I've said it before. I think someone's last words are pretty important to hear. 
If this is the last thing that Jesus was saying before he left, I think it's pretty important. He wasn't just saying, go and have a Big Mac and a Wendy's or something like that. He was instructing them of the fact that he was going to be gone, but he was going to send another helper, someone to be there with him. And he said, make sure you get every part of it and make sure you get completely immersed. Make sure you get completely baptized with the Holy Spirit, which is also, listen to me, the promise of the Father. It's a promise to us, a promise to each one of us. So Jesus is the first one to use the term of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, not something we've made up. Jesus said it. Jesus himself said, you must to be baptized. And as we said, the word baptized means to be literally immersed, to be completely engulfed in. If we were to have a big bucket and we were to put a cup in there, the cup would be completely filled. If we released the air from it, it would be completely filled. Why? Because that which is around it would begin to pour into it. God doesn't want us to be a presence around you. He wants to be a presence in you to help you and to strengthen you. So this infilling experience is what, we, what happens in our lives when we ask him to baptize us. And I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit will take your life to new levels. Absolute new levels, a whole new level in your life as you begin to see results not only in the natural, but you'll also see them spiritually. A lot of people think, well, the Holy Spirit is just spiritual. He's spiritual and natural. He will help you spiritually and give you a strength in your life, but He'll help you naturally. What do I mean? He'll help you fight those addictions and strongholds in your life. He'll help you have patience for your husband and wife and your kids. Come on. He'll help you have a better understanding of life. He helps you both naturally and spiritually. By the way, anyone want free gifts? I've got some free gifts. Who, let me just say this, and I know this may be embarrassing to put your hand up. Who has not been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you're really seeking for God to fill you? I want to give this book to you. Can you do that? Fantastic. There you go. Have we got anyone else? Anyone else over there? Come on, come on, come on. Get my exercise tonight. Pete ran me around the racquetball court today and wore me out today. But I will tell you this, I wore him out more. Amen, 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 amen. I looked at him, I said, man, I'm done. He goes, Phil, I'm more than done. That was his exact words. But here's what I encourage you. As you read through the book of Acts, and I encourage you this month to read through the book of Acts, but don't start at Acts. Start in John 14 and read through the end of John because that's where Jesus is talking about sending the helper, as Pete read tonight, John 14 on is excellent. But then as you begin to read through the big book of Acts, we're going to see various examples of people being baptized with the Holy Spirit. It didn't just happen in chapter 2. It happened in chapter 8. It happened in chapter 10. It happened in chapter 19. Other accounts of the baptism that came upon them. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to give you tonight six key points that I truly believe will help you understand what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is and what it means for each one of your lives. So you ready? You're taking notes tonight? If you're taking notes, take this down. And even if you aren't taking notes, take this down tonight. Point number one, it's an experience that you will feel. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It is something that you're going to feel. You don't have to say, well, man, did I get it? Did, did, what, what it? You're going to know it when you get it. If you don't know it, then you haven't got it. Because you are going to feel it. In fact, it's an overwhelming inbreaking of God's presence into and upon your life. In each account in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, they felt something. They experienced something. They knew that they had encountered the Holy Spirit in their life. God's presence is something that He wants us to feel. God wants to feel us to feel His presence. In fact, God made us to experience His presence. That's why so many people today are trying to find satisfaction and that feeling and everything else. Why? Because there is a God-shaped void inside of mankind that only God can fill. God made us to long for, to feel, to want, to experience His presence in our life. Look what David wrote in Psalm 16 verse 11. He says, you will show me the path of life because in your presence... There is what? 
Halfness of joy? There is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures and treasures forevermore. I love that. You will show me the way of life, but he says in your presence there is fullness of joy. How many loves it when you can feel the presence of God? You can just sense that presence. You may be having a rough day, and you put on a CD, or you listen to Pastor P on the podcast, or something happens, and all of a sudden you feel the presence of God flood in. Your hand maybe goes up in the air, all of a sudden your problems go. Why? Because you are feeling and sensing his presence. That's what David's saying in here. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Can I just give a little disclaimer or a little commercial in here? I can't understand why people don't want to be in church. I know we carry his presence with us wherever we go. Hopefully you do. But there's something about being in the church. There's something about being in the house, and David knew that, and just being in the presence of God, and just being able to turn off all the distractions and all. But David said, in your presence there is fullness of joy. I will say this, though, too, that we've got to be careful, though, because our whole Christian experience is not something we feel. The Holy Spirit is something we feel, but there can be days when we don't feel. There's going to be days sometimes when we don't feel like going to church. There's going to be days when we don't feel like being a Christian. There's going to be days where we don't feel. So understand as Christians, as children of God, we're not basing our lives all upon the feeling. We can feel God and we will feel God and we have felt God. But when we don't feel him, he's still there. That has to be then the walk of faith. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by what? Sight, what we see, what we feel, our human tendencies, because there's times when we maybe don't always feel saved, but we've got to remind ourselves, I'm saved. And that's the Holy Spirit that can bear witness inside of our lives and help us with that. But you've got to be very careful, because if we base our whole Christian experience upon feelings, we're going to be weird. Well, God didn't move tonight. Why? Well, I didn't feel him. Or there wasn't a manifestation. Or there wasn't. God can move in ways that doesn't always have to be touchy-feely, crazy, weird stuff. And if we're always looking for a feeling, we've got to be careful because feelings only will make us weird and crazy. Make us weird and crazy and they'll make us irrelevant to everyone else. You know why so many people don't want to be in church? Because there's too many weird Christians. Too many Christians that are always feeling and always this and that. And praise God, I'm not belittling the moving of God. Don't get me wrong. But we've got to be careful because sometimes when people say, God told me, God didn't say nothing. Well, I just feel led. Well, grab a pencil and poke yourself if you want to feel led because that's no led. That's not God. I just feel led and God's telling me. It's amazing how many people in their mind, God must be schizophrenic because he tells them to do one thing one day and he tells them to do another thing. I was just talking to someone today and and she asked me to pray with her, not someone from this church, so don't try and figure out who it was. And she was asking me today, she says, you know what, my husband just came and told me he doesn't feel like being married anymore. And he's told me that God has told him to divorce me. And I've said to him, well, tell me why you think that is and show me scripture. He said, oh, it's not a scriptural thing. It's just a feeling that I have from God. I want to tell you right now, that's not of God. That's not a feeling of God because one thing I know is this. You may question whether God's speaking to you or not, but if he is speaking against his word, that definitely ain't God. And God ain't about dividing homes and families. He's about restoring. He's about building. He's about the family unit. So don't be so super spiritual and led. And God told me, because what I've proven is this. Most of the time when people say, well, God told me to do that, all they're saying is I've made up my mind and nothing you're going to say is going to change it. So we know the Holy Spirit is something that can be felt, but there are going to be times sometimes when we don't feel it, but that's okay. That's where faith comes in and we know that God is there. It's about living a controlled and balanced life. Come on, look at your name and say, are you balanced? Are you balanced? Are you balanced? Are you balanced? Anyone have a ceiling fan in your house that's out of whack and you're laying in bed at night and all you hear is dun, 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 dun. All it needs is a little weight and it will go perfect. That's how we can be in our lives. We can get out of balance. The Holy Spirit doesn't make us out of balance. He puts us into balance. So remember that. Number two, 
The Holy Spirit is an experience, or the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an experience after salvation. It's a separate experience. It's not the same thing, but it can happen simultaneously. It can happen right after. And it should, really, as people get saved, then the next prayer should be, we need them to be filled with the Holy Spirit because they need the power of the indwelling power of God, the Holy Spirit in their life. We talked about this briefly on Sunday morning, but look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. It says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And here's the thing I want you to see. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that has to have that role in bringing us to the place where we confess our sins, we confess our shortcomings, and we say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. It's only the Holy Spirit that can bring us to that place. So one of the most important roles, I I really think the most important role of the Holy Spirit is to draw us to Christ. Because that's where life starts, at Christ. But one of his most important things is to draw us to Christ and lead us into a relationship with him. So when we ask God to forgive us of our sins and invite Christ into our heart, the Holy Spirit is involved in that all the way. He's right there. He's involved in that. He's a part of that. But then look at Jesus and his disciples. Jesus didn't say to them in that scripture that we just read, he didn't say to them, go and wait so you can be saved and receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to them what? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, that means they had already experienced salvation. In fact, some people believe that the scripture in John 20 verse 22 was Jesus speaking of that salvation experience. It says this, and when Jesus has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He was saying to them, the ultimate price has been paid. He's been on the cross. He's rose from the dead. This is in that 40 day period where he's ministering to them. He's now talking to them. And now through the Holy Spirit, they were able to be a part of that. But later on, Jesus then turns around and says, in Acts 1 verse 5, which we read earlier, John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be. Notice he's talking present tense. He doesn't say that you are. He's already breathed his Holy Spirit upon them. And I really believe that was the salvation experience for them. Because before the cross, come on. There wasn't a faith to place our lives really in, but because of the cross, there was an experience there. Now I know the cross goes back, forward, every direction. Those who were before the cross, they are saved too. Those who made that commitment and made that dedication to Christ. But what I'm saying is here, we see that God or Jesus himself has breathed that Holy Spirit. He's talked to them about the things of God. But now he's saying, here's what I want you to do. I now want you to be baptized. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Notice what he says, not many days from now. If he had baptized them before, why would he be saying to them now that you need to be rebaptized? He doesn't say you need to be rebaptized. He doesn't say you need another step of what you've already got. He's now saying to them, because of your salvation experience, because of that connection and relationship you now have with me, now I want you to take your next step. And the next step is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus hasn't forgot. He hasn't got amnesia. He hasn't forgotten what happened earlier. This is not a different group of people. Oh, he's talking to a different group. It's the same disciples and it's the same people. Why? Because it's a separate experience and one that will be accompanied with power, enabling power to be a witness. Literally, he's saying it's a power that can help you live saved, that can help you be saved. So the Holy Spirit's desire is to give us the power that we need for daily living and the things that God has called us to do. And as we read in Acts chapter 2, as they waited, prayed, God filled them and they were baptized. Look at the scripture again, Acts 2 verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them divided tongues of fire and sat upon each one of them. They felt God. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. We'll see the same thing also in other experiences in the book of Acts. We talked about this in Acts 19 on Sunday morning. Paul said to a group of believers in Ephesus in Acts 19 verse 22, he says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Your salvation experience, did you receive? What was their reply? They said to him, We have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So again, showing there is a separate experience. Verse 6 of Acts 19. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with other tongues and they prophesied. So a separate experience. Believers, Paul didn't say you're not really saved. He said now as a result of your salvation, have you received the Holy Spirit, the infill and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Separate experiences in God. Point number three. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's evident in the speaking of other tongues. I believe the evidence of knowing if the Holy Spirit has filled your life is that you will speak with a heavenly language. As you read through again in the accounts of Acts, and I encourage you, don't just take my word for it. Pick up your Bible and read it. But you will see it over and over again. Begin and again in Acts 2 verse 4, it says, And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. We teach and we believe that speaking in other tongues is the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, do I have it? You either do or you don't. There's an evidence that comes as a result. And I'm so glad about that. Why? For this reason, that you don't have to question and wonder. You can know because you either have the evidence of it or you don't. It's either there or it is not. And again, it's not something that he wants you to have as a language that is going to make you weird. It's not something that's forced upon you. Well, what if he makes me speak? What if he does this? I believe Jesus paints such an incredible picture of what the Holy Spirit wants to be in our lives. Look at what it says in John 7, verse 37 through 39. On the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, as the scripture has says, out of his heart or out of his innermost being, the King James Version says, will flow forth rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. I love the picture of what he's saying, the infilling presence of God wants to be. It wants to be like a river that wants to flow out of us. That which wants to bring life, living waters. It's an awesome new prayer language that we can speak out. It's a new language to us, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a new language to other people. I've shared this story before. If my grandfather was still living, he would be able to testify to this. My grandfather and one of his friends went to Israel first time into the Holy Land in Jerusalem. Got in a taxi from the airport. Was so full of God, of the excitement of being at that place where Jesus was and where Jesus walked. That the Spirit of God came upon them in the back of that taxi. And they began to speak in other tongues. And when they stopped to pay the man, the man turned around in broken English and said, I did not know you spoke my language. My grandfather says, we don't. He says, the whole time in the taxi since I've driven you to the hotel, you've just been telling me about a guy called Jesus. Come on, it's real, it's real. Why? It's not a known tongue to you, but it can be a known tongue somewhere in this world. But there are so many dialects, there are so many different languages throughout this world. And what do we see? We see this because as the day of Pentecost fell, look what it says in Acts 2 verse 11. It says, Christian and Arabs, we hear them speaking. As you look, it was a feast time when Pentecost came. People from all different nations, from all around were there. And they said, wow, we see these people and what are they doing? They are speaking in our own tongue. 
the wonderful works of God. They didn't know how to speak that language. But as the Holy Spirit came upon them, the language they spoke was known by people from different nationalities, from different nations. So with this gift from God, a gift for us to receive, comes an incredible ability to pray in a different language. That we can communicate directly with Him in a special way. But did you know that the Holy Spirit is given for the benefit of your life too? That prayer language is given for your benefit to supercharge your relationship with God. Look what it says in Jude 20. Jude 20 says this. Jude 1.20 says this. But you, beloved, build yourself up in the most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. What benefit does it do to my life? Jude says there, it builds me up. It builds my life. Have you ever been low? Have you ever been down? Where that Holy Spirit can build us, it can lift us, it can strengthen our life. One said it this way, the reason we need a prayer language is because it eliminates our selfish prayers. And it prays the will of God. Because the Bible says His Spirit makes intercession on our behalf. When we begin to speak in other tongues, it's not give me this and I want this and I want that and take this and, and a new job. Thank you. It's literally a language that says, God, I'm just giving everything to you. I'm just pouring out. I'm trusting you. And as I pray and as I let that river flow out of me, God, you know what needs to happen. You know what needs to take place. And God, I'm just releasing that and I'm allowing you to do your will in my life. Come on, it praise God's will. Now, some people have said this. Well, when you speak in tongues, it's a language that the devil doesn't understand. I don't believe that. And here's the reason why I don't believe that. If in the book of Acts, and from my grandfather's experience, they were speaking in a tongue that was understood on this earth, don't you think Satan too can understand that? So it's not a case that he doesn't understand it. What I want to tell you is he can't stop it. He cannot stop it. It's like the Batman phone. It's just a direct line right to the throne of God. It just bypasses everything else. And Satan can do whatever. The only way he can stop that is to silence your prayer. But he can't stop that prayer that's going up, that intercession, okay? So what do we see? The Holy Spirit being baptized. There's an evidence of speaking in tongues in our life. Number four, are you with me? Is this okay tonight? Number four, it can happen anywhere and anytime. Oh, but pastor, I, I want you to pray over me and, and I want the lights to be right and the music's got to be perfect. It's got to be that song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I like that. It's just got to be right. The Holy Spirit can come upon you as people lay hands on you, but not always. In some accounts, as we read in Acts 19, it happened when Paul laid hands on them. Acts 19 verse 6, as Paul laid hands on them, they received. But that is not always needed. I love what it says in Acts 10 verse 44. This is while Peter was speaking. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. They just began to speak in other tongues. Just the power of God. Come on, God can do it when and how He desires. There's no set way. There's no set... You've got to hold your mouth this way and hold your hand. You, no, 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 no. It's just an open, willing heart that says, I want to receive the infilling gift and the promise that you want to give. Anyone been filled outside of the church house? Come on, anyone been filled outside? Come on, what was your experience, Aminga? Where did you get filled? Um, I actually was at home by myself, brushing my teeth and received. Come on, and you thought you were by yourself brushing your teeth. Come on, in the spirit of God. Come on, Daryl, where were you? I was at home in my prayer room, playing a guitar and worshiping. Come on. Playing a guitar and worshiping God in God's presence. Anyone else got any others? Anyone laying in their bed? In your car? Great thing. The Holy Spirit can come upon you any place. Aren't you glad that it can happen anywhere, anytime? Now, I know it's scriptural to lay hands on in prayer. We do that here. We believe that. But we're not limiting God to that. It's great to agree together. There's power in agreement. 
But you know what? We're agreeing right now together that God wants to fill your life. And that agreement doesn't just last for the five minutes or for the second we say it. That agrees when you go in your car, when you're at your job tomorrow. We're still agreeing with you for God's Spirit to fill you and to touch your life. Number five. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the package deal. Anyone likes a package deal? Anyone like to go somewhere and get the package deal that they throw everything in? Kelly always laughs at me. He went to the mall on Monday. I was going to say yesterday. He went to the mall Monday. Everywhere I go, I ask for discount. I ask for stuff, and we get it. You know, the cell phone guy at the little cart, he's given Kelly this great discount. I says, come on, mate. You can do better than that. I know you can. <laughs> Knocked off some more money. Went and got a new pair of shoes. The lady says, well, I can't. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you 10% off. I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. That's good. But aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit is the package deal? If you've ever gone to buy a car, there is a standard package now that comes with most cars. And one of the things on most standard packages today is what's called AC. It's not Ginny's husband. It's something that you need. It's, it's AC that comes in your car. You need that. If you're living in Louisiana, you need it. Someone once said when hell gets too full, he's just going to put the people here in July August and September. They're just going to come back here and just camp out for a while. But when you're buying a car, how foolish would it be for you to go to the person if the price is all included and say to the guy, I want that car, but I don't want the AC. The guy would look at you and say, but Pete, it's a part of the deal. Well, I understand that, but I don't want that. Well, well, hold on a second. You're not having to pay anything extra for it. It's part of the package. But I don't want... How foolish would you be to say that to someone when it's already included? I want to tell you right now, the Holy Spirit is part of the package deal. You would be a fool to be saved and say, I don't want the Holy Spirit. You would be a fool to say that because I believe it's part of the package deal. It's something that we should ask for as a result of our salvation, as our experience. Again, look in Acts 19 verse 2. He says, did you receive when you believed? Why not? He's literally saying to them, why did you not get the package deal? Why did you not keep going? Don't stop. Keep going and collect $200. You know, don't stop. Keep going. The baptism is the next natural step. Back in the New Testament, in the early church, you know what happened? They were saved and filled. Come on, they were saved and they were filled. Bam, bam. Turn to your neighbor and go, bam, bam. It wasn't a question for them. They weren't like, oh, I don't want that. It was the package deal. They got saved. They got filled. They knew they needed it. They needed their life changed, but now they needed the strength to help them live life. Bam, bam, they were saved. But now what's happened? There's so much resistance. There's so much opposition. But mostly it also can become wrong teaching and lack of teaching. And that's why by the end of this month, we pray that there's not one person in our church can say, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. Because Peter said to them, or Paul said to them, did you receive? And they said, we don't know about it. That's why we're telling you about it. And you know why there's so much resistance today? If you're taking notes, write this down. Because someone knows more than you do. You know who that somebody is? Satan. He knows more than you do. And he wants to turn you off from the greatest power source that your life can ever experience. He wants to do everything within his power to say, that's not for me. It's not for me. Come on, it's the package deal. It's part of it. It's part of it. It's part of it. And last but not least, are you ready? This is perhaps my favorite one. The Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. There's none excluded after salvation. Everyone can receive. It's been said that salvation is God's gift to the world and the Holy Spirit is God's gift to his church. As a child of God, there are none of us who are excluded from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is none of us that are not able to receive what God has. It's not an exclusive gift. You don't have to have a special handshake to get it. You don't have to have a special access card that you swipe. You don't have to have a certain amount of money in your bank account or drive a certain kind of car. You don't have to have a certain color of skin. Come on. It's for whosoever. It's an experience that we can all receive. It's a prayer language personally for your life. 
I haven't got much time to go into this, but we got a really good question and it fits here and I want to answer the question because someone asked the question, what's the difference between having the baptism in the Holy Spirit and what we read of the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? I haven't got a lot of time to explain it, but let me refresh or let me make mention of this. There's two groups of people out there when it comes to the Holy Spirit. There are those that believe that you are not filled until you speak in other tongues. That's team A. I'm on team A, baby. That's, that's what we believe. That's what we believe and teach here. But then there's another group of people that believe that you are filled, but you might not be able to speak in tongues, that you don't speak in tongues. Some do and some don't. They believe it's a gift from God, but they believe it's not for everyone. And the reason that is, is because they have confused the baptism with spiritual gifts. The baptism is your personal experience. Spiritual gifts is a corporate experience. What do I mean by that? Baptism is your personal prayer language. Spiritual gift is your corporate interaction, okay? Private versus public. Let me read this in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Here we see the nine spiritual gifts. It says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing. And let me say this, you can have, this is a different type of faith just to a faith of salvation, okay? These are different, these are gifts to another, the gift of healing by the same Spirit, to another works of miracles, to another prophecy. But notice the last two, or to another discerning spirits, notice the last two, to another different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. Nine spiritual gifts there. The last two different kinds of tongues, interpretations, are spiritual gifts which are for building the church. They are for that which is to be spoken in the church. And I believe this, that if you have the gifts of tongues, it's also proper, as you will read in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, you'll read about spiritual gifts. It's also proper that if a tongue is given out loud in church, there must also be an interpretation. That's scriptural practice. That's, that's scriptural etiquette, if you want to say that. So at times, maybe in church, someone's going to get so lost in love uh, in, in the Lord with their relationship with God, be so full of God, they're going to come out with a tongue. That's not a tongue to be interpreted. That is just part of their baptism and their relationship. But if there is a tongue that's to be given as a spiritual gift, then there'll also be a prophecy or an interpretation to that, which will what? Build the body build the church and do that, okay? So as you read again, 1 Corinthians 12 through, and, and chapter, through chapter 14, you will see. And the fact is this, spiritual gifts we don't all possess. We get those when he determines upon whom he determines. Doesn't make us better than anyone else, but there are certain people, you will know right now, there's certain people, man, they have just a spirit upon them to intercede and just to pray like no one else. Some people who are prophets. I know a prophet many years ago who came to our home church in England. He had never seen us before. And he called me out in the middle of a crowd. He told me my name and he has told me everything that I am doing right now. When I was 10 years of age at that time. He didn't know nothing about me. And what I'm doing right now is exactly what he prophesied. That's a gifting that not everyone has. And unfortunately so many people think they have that gifting and it's not of God. It's not of God. You've got to be careful with this. But the gifts are for the purpose of building the body or for the church. But Pentecost or your baptism, it's not a public speaking thing. It doesn't mean that you don't say it out loud, but it's not for the body or the church. But it's rather your personal prayer language that God has given to you. And it's for us to use in worship and praise and in our relationship with God and it produces benefits for us personally, as we read in Jude 1.20. It builds us up in the Holy Spirit. So spiritual gifts are not for everyone, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. And God wants to give that to us. And don't confuse the two. And, and the person who wrote that question, I'm going to be answering it in a little bit more detail to them also. And please, incidentally, if you've got any questions on the baptism, go to our website 
um, hflc.us. And there's a link right there on the main slide, on the main page. You can see it. Click on that and you can submit any question. And personally, we're going to respond to every question. And a lot of them we're going to answer corporately. If not during our Q&A session, which is the last Wednesday of this month, we're going to answer them each week, just like we did kind of right now inside of that message. But here's my prayer tonight. My prayer tonight is that we have shown you from God's word the gift and the promise that the Holy Spirit wants to be for your life. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not something to be afraid of, but something to desire. Something to want and something to receive. Why, what was the points we went through tonight? It's something you can feel. Thank God you can feel it. You're going to know it. You don't feel it all the time, but you're going to feel it when it comes. The initial feeling, you're going to know. And you're going to feel it throughout life too, because that's what God does. It's another experience after salvation. It's accompanied with an evidence of speaking in other tongues. It can happen anywhere, anytime. It's the package deal. And it's for everyone. And we just want each one of you to be open to receive the Spirit of God. Is there anyone that's got any questions tonight that we could just throw out there and then I just would like to pray with you all tonight. Anyone got any questions or anything they'd like to ask? And I really would encourage you to go on the Q&A panel on there. Jacob's got a question. There you go. Great. I've never heard it presented as far as an age, but when concerning your children, when should you start teaching and... You know, I was 12 when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know some people, their children have been as young as six. Is there a certain age that the Bible talks about? Or maybe it's individual maturity level. I'm not sure. The, the Bible speaks about, with salvation, I know you're talking about the Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks about the age of accountability. Um, with it being put as the age of accountability, it's really specific to each individual. Because if God wanted it to be a specific age, he would have said at the age of three, at the age of six, at the age of eight. I know that I've been around people who have been saved and filled with the Holy Ghost at three years of age. There's no doubt about it. The Spirit of God came all upon them. I know with my experience, I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, with the baptism, until I was about eight years of age. So my answer to you would be, there is no specific age But I don't believe a child is ever too young for us to begin to share with them what God has available for them. Because we can think they don't understand. But remember this, it's not just our words, it's the spirit too that comes upon them. So so I really believe it's important for us as parents, number one, to be the example, not through just our words, but by our life. That people, our kids especially, can see it. But Jacob, to answer your prayer, there's not a specific age. The Bible does not give us a specific age, but it is with maturity. It's, it's just different to each kind of person. But I, do, I would hate it to be something that people don't experience because they've never been open to it or they've never been able in the presence of it. So let's present it to our children. Let's present it in our homes. And when they're of age to receive that, then at least they'll know what it is and they'll want that in their lives. Does that answer your question? Great, great question. Great question. Anyone else got anything? Molly? I hope it doesn't sound dumb. Um, Whenever you do receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, do you have to fall down? No, you don't. In fact, in the book of Acts, there is... No, it's good. In the book of Acts, there is actually no record of anyone falling down when they received the Holy Spirit. A guy fell out of the window, but that wasn't the presence of God. He fell asleep because... Um, was it Peter was preaching so long, he fell asleep. And how incredible, if you would read it, that Peter stopped preaching, went downstairs, laid hands on him, went back up preaching, and by the end of his message, the guy walked back in, healed and restored and back to life. But the answer is this, no. And that's why I would say to you, we've got to be careful with the feeling because that can be almost bundled into that, that people say, if you're not slain in the spirit, if you're knocked down, then you haven't really encountered God and you haven't experienced God. I know what it is to have the presence of God so strong in my life that I could not stand. And the next thing I knew, I was laying on the floor. And I will also say this, you want to know when it's the presence of God or not, you don't have to be caught by someone. I know we have catches and we don't, but when it's truly the presence of God, I've seen people fall and hit all kind of stuff and get up like nothing's happened. When it's real, it's real. 
And again, we've got to be careful that we don't fabricate it because it can happen anyhow, anywhere, anytime. People are slain in the Spirit. I believe in that. I believe it's scriptural that that can happen, that we can lay before God. And it's really such a humbling thing just to go completely under in the presence of God. But yet, that does not... That does not mean that we've got to have that in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit or anything. In fact, people can be slain in the Spirit without even being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's just the presence of God coming upon people that they cannot stand in His presence. So no, that is not something that has to happen and it's not something that needs to happen. But yet it's something that is so wonderful when it does and if it does happen to your life. And don't fight it. Uh, and, and you know, one thing we're very guilty. One thing we're very conscious of here in this church is we don't let people push you down. My buddy Kerry. It's funny that Kerry would be here tonight. Kerry, about eleven years ago, Kerry and I had met for the first time. We had gone to Bethany one night, and when we were at Bethany one night, Kerry was going through some things in his life, and he went forward and he was being prayed for, and I came and stood behind him. And someone prayed for him, and I'm not saying this is a corporate thing, that was just that person, so don't, I'm not labeling Bethany, this was just that person. That person pushed Kerry's neck so far back that he had almost whiplash, and his whole, he was bent like this. And I stood behind Kerry, and I held him because I knew the guy was trying to push him down, and another person came to me, grabbed my hands physically, and pulled me off of him and said, stop resisting the Spirit of God. That's not the Spirit of God. You don't have to push someone down. In fact, if you would watch, when I pray for people most of the time, I will cut my hand over their forehead or I'll put my hand under it because I don't want to ever be seen as manipulating the power of God upon people's life. Because if I push you down, nothing's going to happen to your life. But when God knocks you down, you're going to come up different. You're going to come up different. huh? Even you have come up, Pastor P, and prayed for someone, and before you even physically touch them, they've, they've already gone down. And you don't need to help. The thing you've got to understand is this. God doesn't need your help. He just needs your obedience. He just needs your surrender. And that is helping God. If you've got to force people, if the Spirit of God, if we're measuring how powerful the Spirit of God is by how many people are laying on the floor, we've got the wrong thing going. Come on, it, it, it's the wrong thing. huh? You know what an altar call is? When people come to the front, you know why we have an altar call? Because when they come to the front, their, their calling needs to be altered. They need to leave here completely different to when they came up here. And we're fabricating and forcing it down. They're just coming up here, going through the motions, and they're leaving exactly the same way. We've got to have people changed by the power of God in their lives. Great question. Remember that, Kerry? Remember that? Still got a neck brace from that? Wow. Yes, Miss Debbie but I wanted to make a statement. Um, I got saved at 10 years old, and I was saved in a a faith that uh, didn't believe in uh, speaking of tongues, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I wasn't taught it, so I really didn't know a whole lot about it, didn't care, and didn't know what I was missing. But when I got married to Scott, his mother was um, loved the Lord so much, and... um, she got me to go with her to Bethany, and, um, and I felt so out of place, you know. But, God, I wanted the feel that she felt, you know. And I wanted the Holy Spirit in me, and I wanted to do these things. So I started praying and asking, and I did for 30 years before the Holy Spirit. And, and I think I was blocking it because I said, well, that's not it. That's not, I'm trying to do it, you know. But I finally let go and let God. And I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and oh, praise God. Awesome. Isn't that wonderful? God is so real. God is so awesome. Any other questions? And I just want to close tonight. Anyone else? Yeah, got a question. Vaughn, I went to a church a couple of years ago, and I've been taught about the Holy Spirit, but I never received the Holy Spirit. And we was praising, worshiping, and as I was standing there praising God, but my arms wouldn't lift it. They told me that I couldn't attend the church because I didn't receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, we'll gladly have you. Amen. You're welcome here. Yes. You're welcome here. Because, again, that's what I'm saying to you. 
people have taken the Holy Spirit and they've made it weird. They've made it something that they can manipulate people with. God's Word is not a manipulation tool. It's a transforming tool. It changes, it transforms your life. Again, I don't know all the circumstances and situations, but my thinking is this. They did you a favor because you're better off not being in a church, in an environment like that, not being unkind. But if people are going to start doing that, where does it stop what they do? Um, Some people, again, they believe that you're not saved unless you do have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You're not saved unless you're baptized in water, all these different things. The scripture says that you've got to believe in your heart and then you're saved. And then the spirit, the scripture talks about an experience of water baptism too, as well as a baptism in the Holy Spirit, separate experiences that God wants us to receive, the package deal for our lives. But no, it's not how you lift your hands, it's not how you do it. But I'm telling you this much, I love to lift my hands in church. Universal sign of surrender, God, I'm giving everything to you. And I'm worshipping God. And if you notice, most of the time when I praise, I'm praising God on my tippy toes because I can't get high enough. Just a couple more inches. In fact, I may borrow some of Megan's shoes one day. Just feel what it is just to touch heaven, be six inches taller, and I'm touching heaven right there. And, uh, but glad. Come on, just stand to your feet right now all over this place. Here's what we're going to do. Every service, we're just going to really believe and pray that God's going to touch lives. But you know what I want to do tonight? I, I just want us, wherever you're at right now, I just want you to open up your heart right now. I just want you to begin to open up your heart. If you want to tonight, just begin to lift up your hands. But you know what I want you to say right now? I want you to, to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me. Come on, those of you who have not been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on, tonight God can fill you right where you're at right now. You don't have to have people lay hands on you. We don't have to pray a certain prayer. It's just yielding your life and just giving your life. And like Miss Debbie says, so many times we can fight it and we can say, well, 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 that's not me. That, well, that's not God. You've got to remember this. It's your tongue that God uses. It has to involve you, but it's a river that flows from inside of you. And it may sound strange. Why? Because it is something new. But don't be afraid. Just begin to let it flow in your life. Just begin to let it. Right now, maybe you're not saved tonight. You know what? As you're lifting your hands up in this place, just say, God, come into my heart and life. God, come into my life and save me. And you're saved when you pray that. And then say, I want the package deal, God. Give me your Holy Spirit too. Because God, I want your spirit. God, I pray right now all over this place, from front to back, left to right. God, we just claim, God, your Holy Spirit, God. Right now, just to be outpoured, God, to be inpoured into each one of our lives, God. We welcome your Holy Spirit. We welcome your presence into this place. And God, we realize tonight that God, your Holy Spirit, God, the baptism is for our lives. It's for me. Come on, say that right now. It's for me. Come on, it's for me. Come on, believe that today. It's for me. It's for my experience. It's for my Christian walk. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. And God, I pray, God, that you would fill people, God, with an evidence, God, with the evidence of speaking in another heavenly language, God, as we just begin to praise you, as we just begin to magnify you. Come on right now, if you can speak in that heavenly language, just begin to stir up that gift inside of you right now. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit enabling power. Our prayer is that you've been challenged in a new way today. If you need anything or just someone to talk or listen, we're here for you. Call us at area code 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us or visit our website at www.hflc.us. And remember, when you put God first, everything you do will prosper.